I have a tissue. I'm not sure one's enough, but you know, start, start as, I, as I can. Um, I totally have to do this today because before the events of two weeks ago happened, this is what God had put on my heart to share for today. Um, and so I do it because that's what his plan is. And uh, it's very linked to this. And so that's why I might cry. Um, and actually it came up already from Sam and from someone else. He talked about family. You know, one of the DNA pieces of Horizon, when we started off and we spoke to God and we said, God, what is your DNA? Family was one of the things. Um, and so I'm just going to read from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 5. And this is the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Do you know God chose you to be adopted into his family? big church worldwide family, but I also believe God chose you to be in Horizon. The fact that the youth, people that talked about not being here eight years ago, you are here because God chose you to be here. God called you to be in this place and God called us not just to belong to him, but to belong to this church family. Um, so before I get stuck in, uh, where's Marina? Ah, she's just going to hand out for me um, pieces of a jigsaw and I'd like you to take one or two there's a hundred piece jigsaw, so you can probably take two, some of you, uh, pieces of jigsaw and just hold them in your hands until the end and I'll tell you what to do with them next. They're quite big pieces, so you hopefully won't lose them. <laughs> Don't put them in your handbag or anything or Emily will kill me if that puzzle's half, half finished. Um, but just take one or two and uh, keep them in your hand. Do you know, years ago when uh, I was at Sutton Christian Centre, we did uh, uh, one of the kids' clubs, one of the summer holiday clubs, and this Ephesians verse um, was part of that at the time. And there was a translation that I've never ever found since, and it may just have been people, you know, making it more kid-friendly, but instead of that verse sounding as it does in the New Living Translation, the verse was changed to be, God chose you from the very first to belong to his bunch. And that's always stuck with me since then. It was clearly a memory verse for the kids to learn, but I've never forgotten that translation. God chose you from the very first to belong to his bunch. He'd already decided that you were going to be his. Do you remember those days at school where you had to line up and be picked for the football team or the basketball team or the hockey team? Does anyone else hate those memories? You're just thinking, please don't be last. Please don't be last. Or even worse, and I don't know whether Craig might remember this, but when we used to have to do dance at school, it was compulsory in Scotland, and all the boys lined up on one side of the hall and all the girls on the other, and the boys had to walk towards the girls and choose a girl. It was awful. And you could see people coming your way, and you tried, <laughs> you tried to move out their way. But what you really didn't want was to be left, that there wasn't quite enough. It was just awful. 
But that's not what God's doing, all right? So when it thinks, you think about being chosen, sometimes that can make us feel a bit anxious. Like, what if we don't get picked? What if, we, what if we're not quite right? What if somebody we don't like? That's not what God's saying. Has everyone got a jigsaw? These guys have got. Brilliant. Marina, make sure you've got a piece or two as well. Good. And then just hold on to them for now. So this isn't a very long message today, but you know, we are adopted into Christ's family. When you become a Christian, you become part of Christ's family. Now that's part of Horizon here maybe, but bigger than that, it's part of eternity with him. He becomes your father. That also means we become your brothers and sisters. All right, so if you look around yourself, eternity, guys, brothers and sisters. All right, so because we're in his family, this is forever. You were chosen by the Lord. You are not an accident or a mistake. And sometimes people in life have had things spoken over them about them having come to being in humanity as being an accident, a mistake, or something that we, we slipped up and then we had you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God chose you from the very beginning. Because that's what the Bible says. God chose you. And you've been adopted as a son or daughter in Christ's family. And these are true whatever your experience of family life in human terms. All right? God says you're adopted in his family. And sometimes when you hear that sentence, you might not really follow what that means. Because family for you has been very difficult. Your blood family have rejected you. You never knew your family. You've had times of real hardship and trauma in your family life. But that sentence is still true. God chose you to belong to his family. And you know, for me, uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago and I talked a bit about my upbringing. And I'll just refresh. Um, so when I was three, my dad left because his girlfriend was pregnant uh, uh, with a girlfriend that my mom never knew about. Uh, he upped and left and that's basically the last time I saw him. He had no contact with me through my whole childhood. Uh, mum was devastated, knew nothing about this, uh, was clearly heartbroken and became, as a single parent, very functional. So, you know, I made sure I was okay and I had school uniforms and everything else. But the things that were really hard for her were his emotional connection. She, she found that really difficult and still does. Um, so I very quickly, as a small child, I remember being really small, maybe three or four, choosing my friends as my family. And I've continued to do that through my life. But you know, God knows that and God chooses to put you into families and to show you what family means. Uh, and I remember many years ago talking to Judith about dad having left and uh, saying, it's okay, I've got no issue with it, no problem. Actually never having really processed what I'd lost. And all the times where having a dad in your life would have made a difference to me and that I missed until about maybe, oh, probably 10 years ago now, God took me through a season in my life of understanding what Father God really meant. You know, you sing a song like Abba Father, and I'm happy to sing it. I have literally no idea what that meant. I, it's fine, I'm happy to sing it, but I don't understand what the heart of a father is. I didn't at that point follow what that even meant. I thought my life's okay, I'm quite little miss independent, I'm all right. And then God took me through a season, which was quite painful, uh, understanding what I had missed 
what I'd lost. But more importantly, he put people in my path in that season of my life that were father figures. And I began to see people and understand that the heart of a father is a human. My goodness, how much more is the heart of the father of God? And actually, I might, may not still fully understand that, but I've got a much better knowledge and understanding now of what a father and a father's heart is for his children. Um, and that God has that heart for me. That through those hard times, God had chosen me and God was still my father, even when my human father had gone. But then another thing happened to me um, was that people came into my life as father figures, but then I became adopted into a family. And that family is the Frost family. And I became a second daughter to them. They've got one daughter, it's Julie. Some of you might remember Julie Frost. Um, and what came with that was unconditional love, attention, pride, support, always being there for me. And the reason I would say, as you know, is that, that Beryl uh, died two weeks ago. But I was her second daughter. No doubts, no questions. And I'm so grateful to God that I had that. That in my life of having a mum who's a bit distant emotionally, that I've actually had 20 years of Beryl's love and Beryl's heart in my life. And I thank God for that. And I thank God that he puts us in families. And I don't know what your experience is, but I'm in that family. And I've got all the rights of a daughter in that space. And particularly through these last weeks of going to plan funerals and looking at wills and going to solicitors... Julie and I are there together because we're the two daughters. The fact that I wasn't a blood daughter did not matter a minute to Beryl and it doesn't matter to Dave. As far as they're concerned, I'm their daughter. So I have great joy that God gave me that in my life. And I understand what it is to be part of a family, partly because of that connection over these 20 years. And that comes with rights. So, you know, they always, of course, they remember your birthday. They treat you as their daughter. They are worried about you when you're not doing so well. Uh, they want to touch base with you. They're excited when you've come back from holiday. They want to sow into your life positively. But it comes with responsibilities as well. The responsibility of, of me to treat them well, to honor your father and mother, to treat them respectfully. And in hard times to do the tough stuff that needs doing. It'd be very easy to say, well, I'm not really your daughter, so I'm not going to go to the solicitor, because that's quite tough. I'm not going to go to the funeral director. You've got to have both the rights and the responsibilities when you're in a family. And you've got to be in it for the good and the bad times. There's no good saying, I love those holidays, they were amazing. This is a bit tough, I'm going to step back. God, it'd be easy to step back sometimes because it's so painful but I'm in it. God put me in that family. Uh, do you know, our church family are, are also our family, and I'm glad people mentioned it today, because I look around today, and I see my brothers and sisters, my parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, my nieces and nephews, I guess, um, through in kids. We are family together. Uh, there is a story in the Bible in Luke about a friend arriving at midnight who's in need of food. A visitor's arrived at their house, 
and the person whose house they've arrived at has no food in. So he goes to a neighbor to say, I need you to help me, I need some bread, as it was in those days. Um, in the story, the, the person, the neighbor, is actually a bit reluctant to help, but does in the end. But it made me think about us as a church. And I'm just going to ask you now, uh, you know, it made me think about who would I phone at midnight in the church if I needed something? And there are loads of you. Sorry to say. <laughs> I would phone you. And I would phone you because I know you love me and I know you care about me and I know you go out of your way to help me. And that's been proven to me again and again by the things people have done. But let me ask you, if you look around church now, who would you phone or text or WhatsApp in the middle of the night if you needed something? Are there people that you can say, I would definitely, confidently contact them and know that they wouldn't be the reluctant neighbor? But let's turn it around. Who would call you? And would you get up at midnight for those people? Would you get up out of bed? In this case, the children of the house were sleeping. You were putting a risk of waking your whole family up. Perhaps you have not got enough money and the food that you're going to give is all you had. Who would you give it to in the church? Who would be your brothers or sisters as family that you'd say, absolutely, I'm up out of bed, I'm dressed, I'm getting in the car, I'm on my way. Would you do that for other people? Do you know, family is all in. It's not a half-hearted thing. And sometimes in human terms, we can be a bit around the edges of family. We can kind of skirt in a little bit and skirt out. And I do that with some of my family. I don't know them terribly well. Perhaps some of my cousins that I got on very well with, but I probably see them once every two or three years at most. Um, I'm not particularly all in as family. Probably most of them would help me if I needed Um, But I think we do that, don't we? We kind of skirt around the edges sometimes. Perhaps it's more comfortable. Maybe you've been hurt by family in human terms before. Maybe actually your experience of family doesn't match with what I'm talking about. But I'm talking from a place of having experienced this over the last 10 years. Not always pain-free, not always straightforward. I haven't got it all sorted. But actually God chose us to be in a family and to be in his church family. Maybe the bad experiences of churches before have influenced you. Maybe you quite like to keep on the edges. Maybe you're a bit anxious about committing too much. Actually, I'm quite happy to pop in, to pop out, not get too close to anyone. And maybe when I ask you who you would phone in the middle of the night, you're feeling a bit anxious, actually, because you're not really sure who you would phone. And you're not really sure that they would definitely come to your help and come to your assistance. But we would. We would, as your brothers and sisters, if you need us, the church would do that for you. But a lot of that confidence in that response comes at a relationship. So when I'm looking around at who would come and help me at midnight, the people that I know 100% would do that, 150% are the people that I've got relationship with, that I've built relationship with, that we're walking the road together. And so if that's you and you're a bit hesitant to really jump in, it's not a straightforward thing. Maybe it's just one step to start with, to build a relationship with someone, to think, okay, maybe I'll take a step. You know, when I dealt with having not had a father in my life, it wasn't 
all or nothing. God took me through a process of understanding what I'd lost, a period of grieving for what I'd not had, and a period of looking outwards to what I did have that God had already given me. So all you need to do is to take the first step. There's a story um, that I read as I was preparing for this, which isn't in the Bible, but I thought it was quite illustrative, um, of a bank manager giving someone the keys to the safe, opening the door and saying, have what you want. And the safe has got notes, it's got coins, have what you want. And a little while later, the man who'd been offered that comes out of the bank and talks about still being poor. How are you still poor? Weren't you allowed into the bank? Yeah, but I only picked up a few coppers. You can have all the rights to everything in the bank. Don't be the person that just picks up a few coppers from the floor. God is saying, I'll give you it all. But we can limit ourselves in taking it. We can just pick up the dregs. I'll just pick up the coppers. I don't want to be too much trouble. I don't want to get too committed. I don't, maybe I'm not even going right into the, the safe. Maybe I'll just stand on the edge. God's saying, have, have it all. Don't pick up a few coppers. Uh, there's another verse in the Bible in Thessalonians uh, 5.11 that says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Do you know, we're designed to be cheerleaders for each other. Does anyone watch NFL football? Who's the famous cheerleading team? Dallas Cowboys, thank you. Uh, if you haven't heard of the Dallas Cowboys, ask Craig and Nikki, because they both know. <laughs> They're internationally famous cheerleading squad. And do you know the thing about cheerleaders are, apart from their danceability and their fitness and their cheers or whatever, they have to turn up for every game. They have to turn up whether they're winning or they're losing. And sometimes when we want to cheer someone, we only cheer when they're winning. Actually, cheerleaders have to be there at every game. And they're going to cheer you on when you're winning and take joy in your uh, success, but they're going to also cheer you on when times are tough. And the Bible says, encourage one another and build one another up. Who do you cheerlead for in this church? which individuals or which ministry or which life group or whatever, who do you cheerlead for? Who do you pray for? Who do you say a word of encouragement for? And reverse it again. Who cheers for you? Who's the people, who are the people that are there for you and celebrate your success and are proud of your achievements but are also there for you when times are tough? Who are your cheerleaders in this family of Horizon? Do you know, we can be like the poor man in the safe and just take a few coppers. But we can take it all as well. In fact, you go in the bank and you say, this is amazing. I'm going to call my mates to come too. Let's not take half or even a small copper. Let's take it all and let's share it together through good times and bad. Let's be all in. All in for Jesus, number one. But let's be all in for each other. You know, I spoke two weeks ago about let's get real with Christ and let's get real with each other. Let's get into this family, belong to it, and have all the rights of that family and all the responsibility. Let's be all in. 
So you've all got a jigsaw piece in your hand. I've got a jigsaw on the table here. I've done half of it. Well, not quite half, probably. A bit less than half. I hope I've put these pieces in the right place. <laughs> but I, I might need some help if I haven't. So in your hand is a jigsaw piece. That represents that you are part of Christ's family and you're part of Horizon's family. And that jigsaw piece is part of that puzzle, whether you like it or not. You are.